0: Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 15, 14, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the Executive Director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It is a delight and honor to have you as part of our audience. We really do appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to our podcast. If you want to help us out, you could jump online and rate the podcast, share it with other people, tell people about it, leave a comment there letting people know why they should listen to this podcast, and help us get out the word about the Biblical Counseling Coalition and what we're doing. It's really an encouragement to us to know that you are blessed by what we are doing enough to to share it with others. Today, I'm excited to share with you uh, an interview that I did in person, uh, one of the first interviews in person I've done in quite some time. And I had with me in my office, Lucas Leite, who is a PhD student in biblical counseling at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He and his wife, Bella, are preparing to head back to their home country of Brazil, and they're going to work there in spreading the gospel through theological education in biblical counseling. Uh, They are going to be working on faculty at a seminary there in Sao Paulo. It's one of the most populous states in Brazil with over 45 million inhabitants in that state, 36 million of them in one city. You'll hear Lucas talk about that a little bit on the podcast. And they're going to be focusing on training pastors, missionaries, and counselors to do biblical soul care and equipping them to help others be equipped to do that as well. You can find out about more about them, more about their ministry, and support them by clicking on the link that's in our show notes, I highly, highly encourage you to do that. Lucas has become a good friend over the last few years uh, since he and his family have been here in Louisville, and Lucas is a brilliant scholar, a wonderful counselor, and just a great man, and I'm excited for he and his family to head back to Brazil and just equip and train up generations of future biblical counselors there in Brazil and beyond. I have full confidence that Lucas is going to be a leader in the worldwide biblical counseling movement, and I'm excited for you to get to know him a little bit, hear a little bit about their story, find out about their ministry. I do encourage you to go online and support them. They have to go as missionaries back to their own home country, uh, to so they have to raise support and I want you to jump online and, and sign up to be a regular giver or supporter for them and their ministry. Obviously, you know, we rely on donations like that. Um, lots of people do. So just pray about it, what the Lord lays on your heart, uh, share with them and support them in their ministry. I know they will greatly appreciate it. I hope you are encouraged and inspired by their story in this interview. And thanks so much again for listening. All right. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Curtis. Could you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, my name
1: is uh, Lucas Leitchi. I'm also known as Lucas Sabatier. In Brazil, we have many last names. So in Brazil, I'm more known as Lucas Sabatier. Uh, Here, I'm more known as Lucas Leitchi. So I can have the benefits of having two names and Maybe hide behind one or, or the other. I don't know. Well, I don't that's, know that's that's a benefit
0: or not. <laughs> that's helpful to know because I was always curious and I didn't know which which to say or if it was like a hyphenated thing or or what. But uh, well, thanks for clarifying that for our audience. No, we just
1: like long last names, <laughs> I have three actually.
0: So. Was that? Uh, t- I tell us a little bit about that, just culturally where that comes from, because I know uh, growing up north of Mexico in in. Spanish culture as well. That's a thing as well, where you kind of collect last names through generations. What's Maybe it's something royal. I don't know. Uh, you know,
1: you, you, you can look back into uh, Portugal and Spain dynasties, and they were doing like um, alliances with other royal families, and so they would stack their names in order to show those alliances. Interesting. I don't know if that picked up in the culture, and then everybody's trying to do that as families would get, uh, you know, through marriage, united. Um,
0: But I don't know. So basically you're Brazilian royalty, that's what you're trying to (laughs) say. Maybe you're all royalty in Brazil. (laughs) Yes, in a different way. Well, thanks thanks so much, uh, audience, for putting up with a little bit of joking there. But Lucas, tell us about... um, your, where you are in life right now and what ministry you're going to be going to. And then we're going to talk about that because that's what I wanted you on the show for and to share, share about what you and your family are getting ready to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, right now, I am at Southern, Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, finishing my PhD program in biblical counseling, trying to write a dissertation. It's been a slow process, but it's, a, it's been a good one. Um, yeah. So that's where, we're, where we are right now.
0: It's good, like getting surgery. It's really painful, but it's it's good in the end. <laughs> One day the baby will come out. That's right. So we'll tell everybody what your what your dissertation is, and they can pray for you that you wrap that up, and that it's a great blessing to the church as well.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm writing on the Holy Spirit and union with Christ uh, as it relates to biblical counseling in the BCC's book, uh, Christ Centered Biblical Counseling. Uh, Holcomb and Wilkerson write the chapter on the Holy Spirit, and they say that. Uh, more than asking the question about the role of the Holy Spirit in biblical counseling, we should be asking the, about the role of the counselor in the counseling of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to broaden even more that question. What is the role of counseling within the mission of the Holy Spirit? And part of the answer that I'm trying to provide is bringing in a, a focus on the doctrine of union with Christ as the Spirit unites us to Christ to then speak truth in love.
0: No, it's great. I'm really excited to to read it. I'm thankful you're writing in English and not Portuguese, because otherwise, I'd have to wait for the translation. Uh, but yeah, that's such a, a a helpful reminder, and we need to think about that more, especially as counselors, that this is God's work first and foremost, not ours, and we get to cooperate, we get to participate in that. So, thank you so much for digging into that. Well, tell our audience a little bit. You're you're from Brazil. Tell it. Walk us through kind of maybe your life growing up and then how you ended up here in the, in the States studying biblical counseling at a, then a PhD.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, My parents were uh, faithful, strong believers, uh, Bible teaching church. We belonged. Uh, And um, I was exposed to the gospel from an early age. I remember my parents uh, teaching me about uh, Christ's um, death for sinners when I was six, and I remember specifically one night that I I wanted it and I needed it. Uh, I was six years old. Um, later on, I would ask, look back and ask, how, how can a six-year-old understand this? Uh, but then the answer uh, that I came across was, this was not my work. This was God's work in my life from an early age. Um, two years later, I got baptized. Um, um, and it was it was a it was a Christian upbringing, and so uh, my parents were faithful in discipling me and 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 providing biblical teaching at home. Uh, I had several folks uh, pouring into my life and discipling me as well. Um, particularly, there was one one pastor, one one guy in the north church. He started a, a, a basketball team, uh, and we would just go around and play other schools and. Uh, representing our church in a sense, but uh, the whole project was beyond basketball. It was discipling. Uh, I wasn't aware, but he discipled me. Uh, yeah. and, and as I look <laughs> back, I am, I am so thankful for his uh, investment on in my life. Um, uh, in my teenage years, I, I, there, were, there were two things that I said I would never pursue as a career or for my future. Uh, One of them was to become a lawyer as my dad or my granddad. Uh, And the other one was pastoral ministry. I would never be a lawyer or a pastor uh, or minister. Um, Interestingly enough, I finished high school and there you go. I went to law school. Uh, (laughs) In Brazil, we have a a European um, model for law school. So it's undergrad. It's all packed in five years so you're not doing post grad or graduate work as a as law school. It's all packed in five years. Uh, so that's what I what I did. Um, I was uh, looking for a successful career in law practice. Uh, maybe following the steps of my dad. Uh, he he works in a small um, a firm, a law firm, uh, and maybe take over his business. Uh, those were things in my mind. Uh, I was in Sao Paulo, so an hour away from home. And um, my spiritual life was good, but not good enough, right? I was struggling because of my main priorities were not in my walk with Christ. I was uh, just wanted a successful, wealthy life. That's what I was surrounded with, with uh, glamorous lawyers who... Uh, we're driving fancy cars and 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 enjoying expensive restaurants, and that's what I wanted. But through that uh, drought, of 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 that season, I realized that I needed more. Uh, it, at one point, I was look I was working in a large law firm in São Paulo with over a thousand employees and lawyers. Um, and in one month, two of the major partners passed away. And they were late 50s. And that scared me. I'm like, they spent their whole lives building this empire. And now they're gone. Was it worth it? Uh, so that kind of got me into a, a, a time of crisis and questioning the purpose, of, the ultimate purpose of my life. Um, at that same time, I was looking for churches that would care for, for a young lawyer that needed help uh, in the area of Sao Paulo. And what I saw was a great need for um, gospel preachers. I found many churches that would have their Sunday preaching, but it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't point me to Christ and to a life of dependence uh, on, on the gospel. So one day, I'm, I'm sitting under a friend's uh, sermon. He, he was preaching, uh, and he was preaching from Matthew 9 about the harvest uh, being plentiful and uh, our role to pray uh, for more workers. Um, and his application was, if you see the need, maybe God is asking you to provide for that need. And that pierced uh, deep in my heart. Um, so, since then I started to pray. God, send more workers. And if that's me, would you please make it clear? So, um, sometime uh, in the next year, I met. Uh, I talked to my wife. Uh, to my wife, she was my girlfriend or soon-to-be girlfriend at that point. <laughs> uh, as we were uh, starting to 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 consider dating and 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 and. And I asked her, like, would you be interested in me even if I'm not a lawyer? Even if I go to seminary or end up being a missionary somewhere, I don't know where in the world. And her response was, Lucas, I've been praying for this. I wanted to do ministry with my, for my life, but I needed a, somebody to go with. Yeah. And so that was another piece of the puzzle that um, kind of fit into place. Uh, along with that the church's affirmation of, of, of my walk with Christ and my gifts. And uh, the final piece that I needed uh, was my dad's approval. Uh, as someone who has been in that uh, career as a lawyer and who anticipated me following up his steps, uh, I needed his blessing. And it took a while. He wasn't uh, fully happy at first. He was happy with, you know, my desire to serve uh, Christ's kingdom and uh, to minister God's uh, word to people but it was like you can't do this but you, you also have to do this other thing here yeah. Um, but you know I did not confronted him on that it was it was a process of praying, praying about that and eventually he turned to me very naturally and say whatever God has for you I will support you mm-hmm. and so during that time, I was looking for a seminary. Uh, if that's the next step, let's look for a seminary. Where should we go? Uh, Sasha Mendes was my college pastor. Oh, wow, yeah. Before he went to Faith Church or to Faith Bible Seminary, uh, he, he, would, he was uh, the lead guy for our college ministry. And when he came back from faith, I was at that point looking for a seminary. So I call him, and we got together, and I'm like, where should I go? What, what seminary should I look into? And he, uh, he presented me Faith Bible Seminary, and uh, he told me all, the, uh, all about his experience up there. And then uh, I went, at one point he introduced me to Brent uh, Oakland, who's uh, the, the president of the seminary, um, and that's where we ended up going. So 2011, I, uh, I got married to my wife, Bella, uh, two thousand. We we were there for two years because Faith Bible Seminary works with cohorts, so we were waiting for the next cohort, and that happened in 2013. So, uh, summer to th- 2013, we moved to Lafayette, Indiana, for a period of three years, uh, and that's when we really got to know more about biblical counseling.
0: Yeah. So biblical counseling came through faith, not the not the other way around. I was curious about that because some people it's. Find biblical counseling. Look for a good seminary that teaches it, and others more like you. You find the good seminary, and get exposed to biblical counseling. So tell um, what you you go to faith, and you you're doing you do an MDiv there. It takes a three year cohort. I love the way they have it set up. It's very intimate and very practical, and you guys are very busy um, with people and ministry. What was that like for you and your wife though to go from Sao Paulo to the middle of the <laughs> middle of nowhere, Indiana. <laughs> maybe not the middle of nowhere. Sorry, Lafayette people. Um, what was that like for you to make that transition?
1: Uh, I, I think it was, it wasn't as difficult as we anticipated. Um, we are, al- we already knew English. So that wasn't a, a you know, a, a barrier for, for us. Um, and the church welcomed us so well. So, Maybe they had already experience with internationals. Maybe all the strange things that could happen with an international <laughs> happened with Sasha and his wife. Uh, but I, they took so, uh, such a good care of us uh, that made the transition really, really easy.
0: Now, what made you decide to want to do a PhD? Because as you are very much experiencing right now, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of sacrifice. What was it that led you to go from faith and say, yeah, I want to, I need to do that. Seeing the gospel as pertaining to the whole of
1: life was, uh, mind blowing to me and seeing that, taking uh, that concept, taking place within the church context was something unique that I've never seen before. And so I, you know, first of all, I really wanted to bring that whole culture back to Brazil and to implement it in a church, but then my the, the 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 thoughts in my head were: how can I bring this to more than just one church? Is there something else that I could do to to make this something broader that the church in Brazil, more broadly, would embrace? Uh, and so you know, even as I as, as I worked with uh, ABCB, the Brazilian Association of Biblical Counseling. I noticed many uh, lay people would show up for the conferences and many pastors too, but churches were not working towards uh, building counseling ministries or organizing structures for that ministry to take place. Uh, and, and part of that, I believe, is because the lead pastors were, were not on board, or are still not on board, um, at least broadly. So how can I shape uh, the vision of the future pastors and, and bring them to embrace uh, the need for that kind of culture in their church, Uh, both for themselves so that they would see pastoral ministry, not only as preaching on Sundays, but to see the importance of the interpersonal ministry of God's word and also to help them embrace that vision so that they would train other people in their churches. So this strategic plan was let's get a PhD and, and, go down there to 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 f- shape the future pastors that w- to embrace this kind of, of of vision
0: no that's great well it's evident that you are pursuing seeking and then following uh, God's desires for your life and seeking to make the most of the time the resources the life that he's given you so I, I really appreciate that testimony and that just faithfulness so thank you for doing that and he's the Lord has been as he always is faithful to you as well in his really brought that desire to fruition, uh, and you're getting ready to head back to Brazil to kind of do that. Tell tell our audience what's next for you and your family after, after this PhD.
1: Yeah. So um, last year, I was approached by uh, Word of Life uh, Bible Seminary. Uh, they, they're a, a traditional school in Brazil. Uh, Sasha was uh, in their program, um, and the 90s, biblical counseling came to Brazil through that school. So they were very influential uh, in in bringing biblical counseling to Brazil. In the 2000s, they held many biblical counseling conferences, including uh, bringing Paul Tripp, Steve Byers David Paulson, Ed Welch. So all those guys were coming down. They were publishing um, ju- the the ger- Journal of Biblical Counseling articles in Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So they were doing. A lot of work in that area. Um, recently, the two profs that they had there for the biblical counseling department, one of them retired and the other one transitioned out. So they they're looking for somebody to 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 go there and teach. So they invited us to to come down uh, when we're done here and and help out with that department.
0: That's exciting. I mean, that's really exciting. You get to do the job of two people. That's one. <laughs> or will they be hiring somebody else to come along with you to, to fill in that other role? Um, I don't know. I don't
1: know. <laughs> I need to get my, my. You're not. Background. You're not
0: sure yet. Well, you. Uh, um, you. You have this. You shared with me this great document that you and your family have put together to share a little bit about the ministry and. Um, you can go to we'll link to your website in our show notes so if you're listening and you want to find out more you'll go there and you can get get all this information too but walk our people through um your mission you are a very strategic thinker and you share the mission is uh, yeah you have a great description of it there so could you yeah, share Yeah
1: our our mission is to to train people to do biblical counseling, right? In in, 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 in very broad terms, that's what, that's what we want to accomplish. We want to equip them to bring that reality of the gospel of Christ to the lives of people. Uh, it matters. It's relevant to people, specific people in their specific context today. And so I want to train uh, pastors, counselors, missionaries, ministers in general to, to do that kind of work. And I want to train them to train others. Uh, not to stop in their own ministry, but to help others to, to to come to do the the same thing.
0: Yeah, no, I'm ex- I was excited about that that multi tiered or, you know, very much a Paul ministering to Timothy and saying, entrust and these to the faithful men. We want to keep reproducing. We don't want to just make disciples. We want to make disciple makers. Um, so I love, love that mission. And then you have four core values, Christian faith, church, care, and Christ. But I love your description of, and it's just four C words basically, but in Christian faith, you're talking about the gospel and you say the whole gospel for the whole life. What, what do you mean by that? Kind of flesh that out for our audience.
1: Yeah. I learned the, 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 having all the words with the same letter from Calumon. <laughs> so yes, Bob, uh, Bob that. is
0: a big alliterator. He's my owner Tim. <laughs>
1: Um. Yeah, the, the gospel message is not something that happened 2,000 years ago and that we only assent to as, yes, it happened. It's something that relates to me and to every believer today. Because of our union with Christ, that message or that story is not only Jesus' story, it's my story. His death is my death. His resurrection is my resurrection uh, in such a way that his life and the power that uh raised him from the dead is the is my life and the power that raises me from the dead spiritually today so uh that has implications to all areas of my life to how I relate to my wife to my kids to my fellow workers to uh you know in my anxiety my emotions and everything so the whole of god of the gospel to the whole of life is is uh, um yeah it, I I use Christian faith so that I could have a, a C word there, but <laughs> you get yeah. In general, it's a reference to the gospel.
0: Amen. Yeah. Uh, in the opportunity, you're going to be at the Word of Life Bible Seminary. Uh, you mentioned it's about an hour now north of Sao Paulo. Uh, describe to our audience what is the the structure of the seminary? What does it look like for a student who's going there? Um, do they all take biblical counseling? Is it is it kind of a major? Like what does that look like? Uh, for you and what you'll be doing there.
1: Yeah, so they they have a, a an undergrad program um that is equivalent to what is known as as the MDiv here in the states. So if if anybody is looking to go to pastoral ministry, they would do that undergraduate degree um and everybody there would take biblical counseling. Um they also have a master's in biblical counseling program which would be a a a, a graduate degree uh, more advanced. So you have people flowing in, in, in in both, both levels there.
0: Yeah. And you have, you have about 200 students at a time. Do they, uh, does that, you know, how many students come in every year? What's the, what's that look like? Yeah.
1: At at every single time, like you, you would have about 200 students. Um, they have also a program that is, uh, a one year program that, um, you know college students would go before going to college, yeah, yeah. so they come spend that year with uh, Word of life and just get ready for life in general so it's a about half of those students are in that program, the other half is in the undergraduate program. Um, but the structure of the seminary works is is interesting because the students live in the on campus mm-hmm. uh, you're living life together, uh, and that is something that really attracts me. Um, Students are on campus five days a week, and then during the weekends they go back to their churches to serve, to do their internship. Um, but we get to spend time with them during the, the, the weekdays, meaning there are shepherding groups, meals together, activities to work together. Uh, and, and that's really the context where you teach. Uh, more than in the classroom, you got to live life together so that you would shape their character and uh, for somebody who wants to uh, ingrain a vision in them, uh, a vision to care, nothing better than showing how to care in real life. I call this a pedagogy of love because you're not only teaching truth, you're teaching them to love ultimately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a, a phrase we have in English that more is caught than taught. Uh, and it is, it's just living life together especially if students are observant which hopefully you know when they're in these environments a lot of times they are um rubbing shoulders with sitting down over a meal with watching you raise your family those kind of things will teach them a lot more than just a lecture obviously the lecture component is important but uh yeah no that's a, that's great that they get that you get to do that and they get to to benefit from that their their
1: motto is theology for life and ministry so you got those three elements there academics right life and ministry. You don't want a theology that is not applicable, that is not relevant, that is distant from life and ministry. Uh so yeah, we're going to have classroom time, of course, but that needs to impact lives and uh, and ministries.
0: Yeah, it's very much Ezra 7:10, right? Ezra sought, you know, set his heart to know the law of the Lord and to do it and then to teach it to others as well. You will have an op- you'll have a I was looking over all of what you will be involved with and it's a lot. So we'll be praying for you, but um, you'll also, in addition to teaching being on, on faculty at the seminary, uh, which obviously includes teaching classes, you'll be working with ABCB, which you mentioned before, the association of Brazilian biblical counselors uh, doing modules at other seminaries in Brazil, where else around Brazil will you be teaching?
1: Well, uh we we have uh, an online uh we're connected to an online seminary that uh Sasha and some friends have started in the last in last year. So I'll be involved with that and that is reaching to uh all all areas in Brazil, honestly, and, and even other countries of that speak Portuguese as well. So that's part of what we uh we're going to be we're going to continue to do. Um yeah, we we'll be involved with ABCB as as much as possible trying to uh help them out with uh teaching. Um we have a strong commitment to a local church. We don't have a, a, a local church defined yet um that we're going to be working with, but uh I don't want my counseling to exist apart from the local church. Uh, that would be a nightmare uh for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we want to look for church, for a church that we can help uh in their counseling ministry.
0: Yeah. You'll be doing discipleship, as you mentioned already, um, some just living life with the students on campus, but also intentionally focused discipleship with students there, but also, uh, doing counseling yourself. And I think that's wonderful. Um, a lot of us in biblical counseling leadership and training just push so much. You can't teach this unless you're doing it and have done it. So, um, you'll be counseling seminary students, people in your local church, but also providing observation opportunities, which is fantastic. How, how tell, tell people why and how you're going to be doing that. So I tell, I tell everyone that my time at
1: Faith uh, Bible Seminary and Faith Church, the best thing that I got there was to sit in and observe counseling. There's something about being in the room when real counseling is happening. The tensions, the questions, the <laughs> pressures— that, that that are going on that you cannot get from a video um, so sitting in uh, I, I would ask folks there to whenever there was a spot available to sit in and observe I was in uh, and so I, I observed more hours than than I needed or was required by you know ACBC or even uh, the seminary but I was learning so much during my observation times uh Alan to provide that too. I think the be- uh, one of the best ways to teach people to counsel is to have them with you in the room so that they would see what you do right, maybe <laughs> what you do wrong <laughs> yeah. and, and learn from that yeah. and and ask questions, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Uh that kind of feedback and interaction is it's invaluable.
0: No, it's all, yeah, and it's also really good for um hopefully most of you out there listening have this built into your, uh, intake documents, your in the confidentiality that you would be able to have observers in. And not only does it bless and benefit them, it will bless and benefit you as a counselor because they'll ask you questions and you'll think, huh, that's a good idea. I don't know why I didn't do that. Or, you know, it's a, it's a dual sharpening, uh, relationship there. Uh, you also hope to write oh, praise the Lord for that. Um, Do you have anything in the works right now as far as books go? I know you're working on your dissertation. Um, Will that be published? Are there other writing interests you have? Um,
1: I have many ideas uh, noted for later. Um, Right now I just need to focus on writing my dissertation and get that one done. I don't know if it will be published. Uh, I I don't even know if it will be good, but uh, I hope so. I'm working to make it good.
0: As we all say, the best dissertation is a done dissertation. So we'll be praying for, praying for you with that, brother. Now, the the location, actually, where you will be and where the seminary is, is pretty strategic. Tell tell our audience why uh, why that is the case.
1: Yeah, so São Paulo is the most popular state or area of Brazil. Uh, if you consider the whole state, that's over uh, forty six million people. Only in the metropolitan area of São Paulo is about thirty six million. Uh, yeah (laughs) you have some uh, major cities around the area Um, so I'll be an hour away from from Sao Paulo uh, but an hour away from São Jose where Sasha is located and many of the Christian publishers are as well Uh, an hour away from um, Campinas which is another major city in the area so it's a many of the, the the seminaries in brazil are located in that area uh publishing houses and uh churches that are modeling uh a good ecclesiology or good ecclesiological practices to other areas of brazil are in that in that uh area so my hope is to influence pastors who are there and going from there to other places um yeah may, mainly Thinking that they would multiply that that kind of vision.
0: Uh, that's that's fantastic. Um, really great. Like I said you before, you're a great strategic thinker and really good at that. So uh, even the location is is phenomenal. Tell our audience a little bit about the demo, just culture in Brazil, some of the def- demographics, and some of the challenges, especially as it relates to the gospel, the church, faith. The context
1: in Brazil, the church context in Brazil, is, it's been interesting in the past few decades. When I was in uh, elementary school, I was among 30 or 40 in my classroom, and I was the only one that would name, uh, use the name evangelical or Protestant. Uh, everybody would say they were Catholics or nothing, right? Um, at that time, um, maybe... of the population would call themselves evangelicals or uh, Protestants. Today, we're like over 35 or around 35%. Now, is that
0: a real statistic? (laughs) So good. You've learned well. Good questions. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: You have an explosion of the evangelicals in Brazil due to the charismatic movement. Um, And many of them are preaching health and wealth. Uh, You have great needs in terms of uh, social structure in Brazil. And uh, when you promise people what they really want, they'll come and they'll pack your church. Um, So the gospel becomes a means to an end different than worship. Um, And so the churches just grew. Um, You know, that also provides opportunities because people are not as resistant as they were before. Uh, to come to your evangelical church because they are also evangelical in a sense. So it, it's a, and I know the term evangelical can be, you know, it's, it's debated even here in the States today. Uh, but in general, in Brazil, we have an opportunity and a challenge because of that.
0: Well, that's that's great. We'll definitely keep praying for you all with that. And uh, yeah, obviously we trust the Lord. He's going to bring in the harvest. He's going to bring his sheep He's going to call them. They'll hear his voice and come running. So um, thanks for going out and being a a mouthpiece, an instrument in his hands. You have needs, obviously, uh, getting ready to go back on the field. And the seminary, I know, especially for a lot of um, maybe people who haven't traveled to or been familiar with overseas uh, institutions, they try to keep costs low so students can come. Uh, and the students have to pay for housing, food, all that uh, stuff that you mentioned. But it, their fees don't actually cover the faculty's uh, fees. So you have to raise your own salary. Uh, I can relate to that, and I will be praying for you with that. So share with our audience some of the needs that you have, um, and then I will ask on your behalf for them to support you financially too. So, <laughs> Well, so Word
1: of Life is not primarily a seminary. Broadly, they are a missionary organization. So when they came to Brazil, they saw the need to provide theological education. So that that was something unique to their institution. They are an American organization, but when they came down to Brazil, they started doing something that was different for them. Uh, So primarily they are a missionary organization that has a seminary as part of their organization. Uh, All the faculty there works as missionaries, and so they, they need to raise their own support. And that allows for that model to actually take place to have the students over leaving there having meals together and so on and so on um yeah so as we accepted the invitation seeing that the vision and the plan to be there was a good one we also accepted with it the challenge of raising our own support uh so yeah we're looking for partners to affirm our mission to say yes lucas do this this is a good thing to do uh you know uh uh, to uh, partners to pray for us as we accomplish that we really see our ministry as an extension of everyone's ministry in our lives through our, our you know our story uh and we're not just Lucas and Bella in Brazil we are the Lucas and Bella that went through faith southern and got connected to so many people along the way so we want those people to to see our ministry as part of their ministry and to affirm and to pray for for what we're going to be doing. And if possible, yeah, we need all the the help we can get uh, as of right now, uh, including um, financial support.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, doing fundraising to support a ministry and my family and all that kind of stuff, I know it's a lot of challenging, but it's also uh, really rewarding and a blessing in a lot of different ways. And one of those is that, as you just mentioned, you're not just asking people to pay you or give you money. You're inviting them to participate in the ministry. And so many donors are so generous and love that. And they do, they understand that that is part of their ministry that God has gifted them, given them the resources, and then they can impo- uh, give that to you. So again, we'll share the link to Lucas's uh, website and his, or his family's website. So you can jump on there. If the Lord lays on your heart to support them financially, either as a church or as individuals, I encourage you to do so because uh, I, I, I know Lucas, I've gotten to know him a few years over the, at the seminary. He's fantastic. Uh, man and a man gr- is going to be a great leader in biblical counseling for years to come uh, in, in Brazil, but also around the world. So please jump on there and support them. Uh, tell us uh, timeline, kind of roughly where you are now when you leave, and then I'd like you to share some prayer requests for our yeah. audience too.
1: Um, I'm, as I work on my dissertation, my goal is to finish it by the end of this year and graduate. Um, our goal is to get down there in December so i'm i'm working with faith church and faith global missions uh, to 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 be commissioned and sent by them um uh, it's um it's a pleasure for me to to be working with them and 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 have their support on this journey um especially considering that you know i'm an international i'm from brazil uh it's a, it's it's not unusual but it's something new a new trend that i've noticed is American institu- institutions investing in national missionaries who know the language who will be there for long term? So I appreciate they they uh, helping us out with this. Um, but yeah, the goal is to 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 get down there in December so that we could start teaching in January February.
0: Yeah, well, we will definitely pray for that big time. And again, that heightens the need for support. So I'm trying to imagine fundraising and doing a dissertation at the same time, which I've done, but. Doing that and trying to move back to another country and all that. So that's a lot. So we will be praying for you uh, with that and encouraging people to support you. Um, aside from, or maybe in addition to, uh, praying for your dissertation to finish well, your family to survive that <laughs> because it's a lot of work, the fundraising, other, other things our audience can be praying for you about?
1: I probably failed to mention that we have three kids. Uh, and I failed to
0: ask. So there well, you go. <laughs> I
1: have we, we have uh, Ana Luisa, who is uh, six years old. Sophie is uh, four, and uh, Timothy, who is one. So as we go through all these processes, uh, dissertation, fundraising, and so on, that uh, pray for us to be good parents and faithful in in in, in raising them uh, in Lord's way and, and teaching them. It's Time is, is, is uh we we have less time than we wish we had, right? Uh how to balance those priorities in terms of time, I think that's a big uh challenge. And so um yeah, I would definitely yes yeah, I would pray for us. Pray yes, for we us will.
0: An and and I will say what other people told me when I was wrapping up my doctorate, don't let what has become normal be the be the norm afterwards. Uh Slow down, uh, sleep more, <laughs> play with your kids more. I know, uh, I know you and I know you're carving out time for family right now because uh, you're a good dad and good husband, but uh, you'll, be ha- you'll get to do more. Uh, when you're all done with this this writing project. Well, we saved the last two minutes of our podcast for a segment called Two Minute Favorites. And thank you, listeners, for hanging in there with us. It's a little bit longer than normal podcast, but I really appreciate Lucas and what he and his family are getting ready to do. I, and again, I haven't gotten to hang out with Bella as much, but she just must be an amazing woman. I'm sure you would agree yes. to support you, care for you, have three kids and be raising them all while you're in another a country that is not your home, uh, studying as much as you have. So pass along our gratitude to her as well. Um, So last, or yeah, two-minute favorites. Here we go. You ready? Sure. All right. What is your favorite food? Cheeseburgers. Favorite color? Green. Favorite sport?
1: Soccer. Favorite sports team? Palmeiras. It's a soccer team in Brazil. Uh, Favorite gift you've ever received? My wife gave me a portrait. Of the the um, Luminous Chapel here at Southern, mm. and it's beautiful. It's a painting, and it, so that's the best
0: gift I've received. All right, favorite candy? Lint chocolate, the red one. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Uh, favorite word? Squirrel.
1: It was one of the hardest ones for me to learn how to pronounce, so that's probably. (laughs) Least favorite word? Broccoli. Favorite book of the Bible? John.
0: Favorite book outside of scripture? Augustine's Confession. If you could choose any superpower, what superpower would you choose? To fly. If your mother were to describe you in one word, what word would she use? Nice, I hope. (laughs) All right. And favorite animal? Tigers. All right. Well, that wraps up our two-minute favorite segment as well as our interview. Lucas, thank you so much for being with us and for being actually in person with me today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure for me to be
0: here. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.